Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 361st episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that's always your favorite drop of the week. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle, at Word of Commander on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello, everybody. As always, I'm looking forward to diving into this week's developments. But before then, I want to remind everybody that the show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Please sign up today at mtgprice.com to plan your specs, chat on a great Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, my friend, what do we have on the agenda this week? We have four amazing segments lined up this week, James. We're going to lead off with the Magic Online metagaming review. We've got uh, some cool decks to talk about. Then we're going to get to the top movers of the week in paper and online. Segment three is our cards to watch with your picks, my picks, and a reader uh, pick. Discord. I keep saying reader. I keep meaning to say Discord member. And finally, we're going to wrap it up by talking about the new Secret Layer Super Drop that came down and uh, what's cool, what's not, and what's worth buying. Sounds good to me. Let's jump on in here to segment one, Metagame Week in Review. We're back to looking at Magic Online results this week. No big paper tourneys to report on. The Modern Challenge 32 uh, person tournament from January 28th this past Saturday had a fair amount of spice in it. Glimpse Combo uh, took the whole thing down, and this is featuring uh, an updated version of this list. I don't remember seeing four Omniscience, four one with the Multiverse in the glimpse uh, decks before the the premise here is that you're going to get some tokens at a play then you're going to glimpse of tomorrow you're going to swap those tokens for the biggest craziest things in your deck in this case you also have access to four emerkul the aeons torn and four nickel bolus planeswalker which i think is also a fresh four for this list i mean you have some really great choices here uh, what what are we most interested in? We've got the Cascade package to hit the glimpse of tomorrow. Wave Sister has just been a ridiculous enabler for this sort of deck and the uh, Indomitable Creativity combos. But, you know, Omniscience hitting, uh, you know, letting you cast the Emrakul for free to get the extra turn and then you're attacking with the Spaghetti Monster. I mean, what where, when is Nickel Bolas the Planeswalker bad? This is the original one, the destroy target non-creature permanent as a plus, minus two to gain control of a creature, or minus nine to just nuke the board. I, I don't think you get the extra turn off Emrakul from Glimpse because it doesn't cast, it puts into play, but... No, I mean, if, like, if you Omniscience yes. and then have Emrakul. Yeah, exactly. Then you do get the cast and then things are looking very bad for your opponent. So that was the first place deck. Uh, more spice in second place, five colored domain. You think both of these players were were a little surprised to be facing e- each other's decks in the finals? Well, I mean, I, I love a good domain deck. Look at that four sign of Draco in there with the the right setup. I know this is one mana in my Ur Dragon deck, so now this is two mana in Modern, and it's really easy to overlook the abilities 
that you get because you're already getting a two mana four four flying, but you're getting vigilance on some things, hexproof on other things, uh, life link, first strike, trample, depending on its other colors. Very likely to have max value on your leyline bindings in this deck. Yeah, you're also getting uh, fun with territorial kavu for you know two mana for a five five. If you happen to have the uh, scion out, that means it's first strike and trample. Wild Nakadal. When's the last time that was in the top modern deck? And Neshoba Brawler out of Dominaria United as a 5-3 trample with Domain. Also, uh, Stubborn Denial is the hotness in here. Everything in your deck is huge. And so this is just one mana counterspell all over the place. Yeah, one one matter, one mana negate. That's correct. So then we had Blue-Red Breach. This is the uh, low-slung blue-red deck that does not have Murktides. Uh, and then Jund in fourth, another deck we don't see that uh, that much anymore. So this was eight Tarmogoyfs in the top eight. Nope, six Tarmogoyfs in the top eight. But when was the last time that happened? Uh, I think the last time it was uh, more than four. Might have been a while ago indeed. Soul of Windgrace is a yeah amazing card to throw in two, there too. Two, two of those. A Haywire Might in the main. That was my, un- my pick for Best Uncommon out of Brothers War. Uh, four red and six in the usual suspects in terms of instant sorceries, fable of the mirror breaker, etc. Then we had blue black mill in both fifth and eighth. I mean, blue black mill has showed up sporadically throughout the last year or so, um, but very rarely seen more than one copy in a top eight. Blue red murktide in sixth, and then omnath in seventh. But as much as we see omnath these days, we very rarely see the Elementals-focused version of Omnath, which is what we have here. Four Flamekin Harbinger, two Thunderkin Awakener, and Omnath Locus of the Royal, four Risen Reef, four Voice of Resurgence, four Omnath Locus of Creation, of course, one Realm Walker, four Solitude, three Fury, one Endurance, four Leyline Binding, and four Ephemerate to flicker uh, your various comes into play creatures uh, especially the incarnations 24 lands leaning on cavern of souls to deal with counter spells and then uh, triomes off the back of fetch lands i mean this this is just the most disgusting ephemerate deck uh all it's missing is uh the super huge omnath that has landfall to make the tokens yeah forget the name of that but uh this is this is beautiful risen reef is such a disgusting card but anytime you can throw down the Solitude or the Fury or the Endurance and then flicker it immediately, and you know you're going to get another flicker on the next upkeep, just boom. Now on over to the Pioneer Challenge from this Sunday, January 29th. We have a fairly predictable field here. Black-Red Midrange in first and third, both featuring three Shieldred. Uh, two Lotus Field. Second place was Lotus Field Combo. Blue-White Spirits in 4th, Black-Red Sacrifice in 6th, Red-White Prowess in 7th, and Mono-White Humans in 8th, a very even showing for most of the expected field. The only real spice I spotted here was in 5th place we have a Black-Green Elves deck, mostly for the presence of 4 Shaman of the Pack. This is a deck I play against all the time on Arena, but you don't see it that much in the Pioneer Top 8s. I mean, how much... uh your experience, what's the usual number that Shaman hits for? Four, six, ten? Uh, you're talking about the Shaman of the, the Shaman. Pack. Usually they're going to get 
four or five elves on the board by the time it lands, something like that. And it's interesting because on the arena version of the list, I don't usually run into green black, so I don't see Shaman of the Pack that much. Most of the time they're trying to go over the top with Crater Hoof um, or using some of the arena specific cards. But you really need to sweep this deck early. And not a lot of the other decks uh, in this top eight are capable of doing that very reliably until they dip into their sideboards. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the the card list, and clearly, I've been playing too much with uh, older versions. Like they didn't even bother with Circle of Dreams Druid in here. They're just keeping it low slung and gonna go all the way. Yep, 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 yep. I like it. Moving right along to segment two, top paper movers of the week. We'll kick things off with the Birds of Paradise Retro Foil uh, out of Dominaria Remastered. This is the first foil retro version of this card. It's interesting because it actually has a near simultaneous release with the 30th edition uh, retro but of course, 30th edition didn't include foils because <laughs> if there had been foil power nine, people would have lost their minds. So this looks very clearly targeted to me. People were asking me about it on Twitter. Folks were talking about it in the Discord. Looks a lot like some group of vendors slash speculators or a Reddit post or something drove a bunch of sales very early on. And these aren't that easy to find. So it could take a while for these to float back down to a more reasonable level. I would be surprised if it goes nothing but up from here. I would think that we might see a localized peak and then some amount of decline as folks move on to dealing with all the fancy chase cards from one and then March of the Machines and then the Lord of the Rings set. And by midsummer, I bet you will see cheaper copies of this line around. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm I'm certainly not going to be in a hurry to try and snag one while I can. There there will be more coming, you know, even with a, a new set coming out. There's a lot of Dominaria Remastered left to open. We've got Felwar Stone, the Secret Layer 40k version going 10 to 16. That's a low-sale secret layer that I think enough vendors and speculators have clued in at this point that if you have a medium-to-medium-good or above card that is printed in a secret layer that doesn't seem to have sold well, you may be able to go after it relatively early and uh, have a decent chance of the inventory not being able to backfill as easily as otherwise would be the case. We've also got Malira Silvok Outcast from New Phyrexia, original non-foil copies going $5 to $8, 60% gains, presumably because people are looking for assumed anti-poison tech, although I can't imagine that in EDH you would be fielding the card to protect against poison because the odds of you running into a, a deck that is dealing with poison are relatively low in the grand scheme of things. And over in Modern, I'm just not convinced that this is going to be worth sideboard slots, so... Uh, I'd be selling into any Malira hype here. I, I agree with that. Plus, like, Malira is begging for a reprint, so uh, I would be very hesitant about getting in at any point like that. We've got Vornklex Monstrous Raider at a Cal time. Foils going 50 to 90. Pretty much all the versions have been going up. Riding this wave of interest in Poison and Super Friends decks, given all the fancy tools they've gotten lately. And I find this one pretty amusing because people kept talking about what a failure Vorinclax was. But the reality is it only took about a year and a half for this to do very well for people that got, it, that got in at the lows. And even less if they waited till true lows. I mean, a year 
could have been six to 12 months for people to get really good uh, numbers on this. And Vorinclex is now absolutely sellable for strong profit. Yep. Uh, getting more counters is good. And, uh, you know, there's already been enough ways to use it well, and now you can poison with even more uh, goodness attached. Given how cheap Caltime CBs still are, uh, an argu- argument can be made that they are significantly less dangerous to open uh, with a solid chance of pulling at least uh, one Vorinclex out of every couple of them. We've also got Attracts a Borderless out of Double Masters going 35 to 80 lately. That's 130% gains and it could push higher. Attracts is, of course, the number one uh, commander of all time and is getting fresh attention now that there's all these new poison cards to play with, which basically means that Atraxa can be built three main ways. You can build counters, matters, leveraging all sorts of creatures with counters on them. You can build poison, or you can build poison slash toxic, or you can build super friends. And you can also mix and match pieces of those decks to achieve a similar result. Um, And you can have a proliferate sub-theme in all of them, and so, you know, Atraxa has been getting pushed up. I called this card on cast back September 21st, sorry, September 2021 at $20. So now that you've got an exit at 80 plus, that's four times gains in about just under a year and a half. So pretty good there. And that's just regular borderless. You're not even talking about foils. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Foils will probably end up in the 150 to 200 range this year. I agree with uh, getting out with this one, especially with the uh, Gilded Foil Secret Lair uh, looking awful good as it rises, too. Yeah, and I flagged on the weekend for the Pro Traders, the Gilded Foil Atraxa, which is already at a a solid price itself, uh, is probably going to climb even higher. And the Secret Lair, one of the Pro Traders tried to submit as a selection for the week, noting that that between Atraxa and Brea, you're pretty much covered anyway, so anything else you get in it would be gravy, and they both have upside themselves, and I think that's you know probably correct. The Gilded Foil is currently going for, I think I called it not so long ago, it's currently at 55 or so, and with 36 listings left, moderate inventory, that could very easily end up being an $80 to $100 card itself. Uh, do you have any of those secret layers sealed up still? Uh, I would imagine I do on the shelf. Usually I have something like 10 of a drop like this. I would have been very fairly confident in Atraxa, so I would guess I probably bought 10. The... Yeah, I, I believe I've, I've got... Uh, it's either 8 or 10 on my own, too. So hearing you say like 80 to 100 on one of the cards in that drop, might be time to crack a few of them and start selling singles. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see see where this push goes. It's been pretty much an upward, straight arrow upward from $41 as of about two weeks ago. So we, there's already very strong gains in the, in the last half of this month. We've also got uh, Shattered Glass Slicer, the Transformer alternate art card from the Brothers War Collector Boosters. And if I'm not mistaken, Shattered Glass is only in Collector Boosters. Non-foils going 12 to 30, 150%. This is 100% targeted on the back of a Reddit post that was called out in our Discord, as well as a couple of CEDH-related YouTube videos. I don't believe for a second that it can hold this plateau. I don't care how popular it's supposedly about to be in CEDH. These are relatively rare, but but in non-foil at least, not so rare that 
you know, I would absolutely sell into this hype. If you've got a couple of these lying around that you cracked in Brothers War CBs, this is a nice way to scoop a little profit back into your coffers. And I've played with this card. I, do, I have it in my Jota Transformers deck. It is actually quite good, but it's not going to be a super EDH staple. I think, uh, I think it's in 1,500 decks reported on EDH rec, which just isn't enough to make me want to hold to a $30 price point. Yeah, uh, this is a, a, cheap, a relatively cheaper card that has spiked, and you should always sell into these spikes, especially on CEDH. They're, they're always going to be about the new cool thing, and uh, you're not going to have much of a, a long time frame to get out at this price. Resurrection Orb Surge Foils, 40k card, 10 to $30. That's just going to be more Surge Foil targeting. Likewise, the Red Terror Non-Foil 40k, $1.50 to $4.50. Uh, a strong card with uh, a bunch of other cards that came out in the last six months, and the 40k targeting continues. Likewise, Mirror Reservoir from Scars Over Mirrodin, uh, Scars of Mirrodin, dollar twenty-five to four fifty. That's going to be the new Mirror Lord driving that two hundred and sixty percent gains. Mirror Superion foils from New Phyrexia, two fifty to thirty. That's not a real price. You absolutely sell into that thousand percent gains supposedly. And then we have Quest for Pure Flame out of Zendikar, uh, 0.45 to $3 in non-foil. That's 550, 566% plus gains if you believe anybody will buy them. And I don't think buy lists have caught up on this yet. It's a two-card combo with another card in one that hasn't come out yet. And because neither of the cards is a commander, I'm not convinced that this is going to hold in the slightest. Well, uh, you know, we, we're a sucker for two-card combos, and sure, uh, the all-will-be-one enchantment, I think, is five mana? Yeah, it's five mana, so you got to have that out, and then you can get your uh, infinite combo on, you just throw an extra damage on there. Yeah, sure, why not? People are always going to be interested in uh, two cards, I win. It's just not going to be as terribly effective as some of the... Um, some of the other two-card combos, like the copycat combo, for instance. Sure. Top Magic Online movers of the week. We got Jet Mirror's Garden out of Streets of New Capenna going 0.96 ticks to 1.8. People that got a nice fat stack of those would be in real good shape, given that it's now a standard four of in a Naya deck. One with the multiverse we saw in the Glimpse combo deck in Modern out of Brothers War going 1.7 ticks to 3.37. It's going to take more uh, to move it in paper than it will online, however. Plaza of Heroes, big EDH card, Dominaria United. This one went 0.3 ticks to 0.6, 100% gains. Um, I don't, I'm not aware of it being played in standard, but I might have to double check that. So far as I know, it is just an EDH card. I'm with you. Uh, that's... How easy is it to, like, it's um, it's Magic Online, so you just got to find the bots that are buying at the right price and just dump them quick, right? Yeah, but you can usually only unload four or eight copies at a time, so there is some manual oh. messing around. And that's why I don't tend to get involved with 50-cent things turning into dollar things. Gotcha. Would would much rather find a card that is has been pushed up to some astronomical level and shorted if I was getting back in on that action. But I haven't been messing with Magic Online for a couple of years now. Uh, cards to watch. Uh, my first one is one of the 30th anniversary countdown kit cards. I'm going to go with Lotus Field Foil Borderless. Uh, currently has kind of fallen off a cliff since release back in late November, uh -huh. sitting at about 16 bucks. 
has now fallen down to 950 or so. I think it's probably good over the next 18 months to get from 950 to 16, given that it's in 32,000 EDH rec decks and is a four of in a tier one pioneer deck. Uh, is it only tier one in pioneer or is it good in uh, modern at all still? No, you don't really see Lotus Field in modern. Okay. Uh, it does have some space to grow to meet uh, the corset foil, so I like that we've got room to grow, but, you know, the 30th anniversary countdown was probably, you know, pretty popular. It it sold out, if I remember correctly, right? Yep, and this art is of a Black Lotus, and some it of the nicer Black cool Lotus art. art ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. This is a, a solid pick. I didn't realize that it had come down that low on the uh the 30th anniversary version that's that that's hard to argue with you've got a good combo deck uh two combo decks if you count it in modern and who knows when they'll print the next puzzle piece to make it that much better uh, i saw somebody had done uh the version where they're running um all the double face lands the mdfcs and then the abundant harvest tech so that for one green you're going to get a lotus field into your hand just boom let's go gotcha so the thing with this is there's plenty of inventory. These kits got opened on mass. There are, you know, lots of vendors with 10, 20, even 30 copies in and around the 10 to $12 range on DCG player. You don't need to be in a rush to grab this. It has not flattened out in foil yet. And you could probably wait another two, four, six, eight, maybe even 12 weeks before you dip into this. But if you wanted to pick up a few copies now and dollar cost average yourself into the summer, I think you'll be doing just fine. Um, given that it's got a solid anchor of play in EDH, and frankly, it should probably be played more there in a lot of cases. And this Pioneer deck has been right there at the top of the heap for Pioneer more or less since day one, but doesn't seem to be in any danger of being banned because it's never never overwhelmed or become too dominant in the format. In fact, mo- you know, black-red mid-range seems like the deck that shows up the most in top eights that we review on this cast. And despite the people have at various points called for Lotus Field to be nerfed, so far so good. And uh, based on that, as long as that all stays true, I think that going into the mid-teens from a sub-$10 price point seems likely. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think like what the downside is of playing Lotus Field in Commander. And aside from it coming into play tapped uh, after you've done stuff, you know, it, it just seems... Like an easy card to abuse, especially given like the number of random ways you can get to untap it. And and in Lands Matters decks, the way like using Crucible and that new Crucible to cast the lands that you sack out of the yard to make up for it. And, oh yeah, if you're building around it, then it's definitely going to be a winner. And then decks like Moldratha that can cast lands out of the yard for free. Love it as well. So yeah, good card. And this is the nicest version that exists. Well, uh, my first pick this week is uh, the Mischief Foil uh, Teferi's Puzzle Box. Uh, it's right now available on TCG for around 7 bucks. It's only in about 22,000 decks at the moment. Um, I just love everything about the Mischief Drop, because uh, all the other cards are slowly tricking upwards, and they're such visually unique cards. So uh, even though it's not in a huge number of decks... Uh, I like where it is, and I like um, basically everything about it. There's a lot of other versions of Puzzle Box out there. 
uh, including a mystery booster foil. Uh, I think you've got some ninth edition foils running around too for crazy amounts of money. But uh, this is the one that I think has the potential to grow the most. I'm picking it to go from, uh, what did I say, 7 to double up to around 15. Tends to sell 1 to 3 copies a day, 60 listings left, moderate amounts of supply overall. I don't think we're in a huge rush to grab these, but I can see starting to grab a, sm a small number, you know, 2 to 4 copies a month over the the next six months ramping up as the price uh the supply starts to shrink and i can see this easily given enough time because it's a, a medium demand card for edh purposes it's probably going to be a future 20 dollars plus card if they if i'm wrong about them reprinting secret layer cards at some point and they never do that then cards like this that are ultra unique are going to be worth significant money down the road i also appreciate like unique cards that are still legible. You know, a lot of the psychedelic poster ones, it's just really hard to see where the actual words are. And this is just so beautiful to look at that uh, I just, I've, I've got a, a couple of the mischief sets that I just open and, and just look at because the cards are so dang pretty. Especially this one, because it's got the silver foiling going on. So I've mostly stayed away from recommending people get in on Dockside Extortionist from Double mm -hmm. Masters 2022 up until this point because it seemed like the keg might have uh, this card in their crosshairs and there was a lot of speculation as to whether we were just kind of waiting for early mid 2023 before the keg would go after it but the keg put out a statement or one of the keg members uh, dropped a tweet or posted something somewhere else on social media uh, specifically talking about this card not uh within the last few days and saying that they did not think anticipate going after it after all that it was obviously a very high power card but they said in their words quote unquote it scales with the rest of the game <laughs> which seemed like a bit of a cop out to my eye or, or ear i suppose uh but i don't care because now the there's very little reason not to start stocking up on Dockside's because they are currently available at around $50, which has been a slow, steady decline since last summer as inventory has filtered into the market. And I think to target somewhere near 50 uh, and given that it bounced off 44 as a low back in, I think, mid-November or something like that, super high-velocity card. It's in 187,000 decks on EDH rec despite being... Man very expensive for the last couple of years and if the keg's leaving it alone then this is one of the car first cards that will rebound out of this set for sure and once that news about from the keg gets around vendors are going to feel much more comfortable stocking up it's hard to argue with the the logic you've put out there this is a crazy popular card a crazy powerful card whatever you want to do with dockside you want to sack it and bring it back you want to flicker it somehow whatever the case may be it's all overpowered and good um, it's also a great way for you to catch up on, you know, other shenanigans that other people do. If you've got somebody who has been smothering, who, uh, did turn one soul ring into turn two smothering tithe, and now has just got, you know, 50 treasures, at the very least, you're going to get that person to sack them all in response because they don't want to give you the mana because that's how magic players work. We're greedy jerks. So I think that this, the fact that this is coming off a low price and it's starting to trend upward and the number of copies it's moving a day, goodness me. Uh, this is this is pretty solid. And 
I think that this is a very good time to definitely get your personal copies if you haven't yet, and uh, a couple extra to sell off when they hit, I think 50 to 75 is, uh, what was the high for Dockside? Do you know off the top of your head? All-time high? For uh, Before it got reprinted anyway. Uh, let me double check on that. I want to say 80 or so. I wanted to say it might have been uh, over 85 or 90. Yeah. I don't think it broke 100. It but was I think the 75 Commander, 2019, a... Commander 2019 printing, and it looks like top was in 70 or 75. Okay. So 75 seems perfectly reasonable, and um, yeah, get in, get your copies while you can. I'm, I'm on board. Alrighty. Uh, moving on to your second selection of the week. My other pick this week uh, has to do with oil counters and uh, all the fun that we can do with counters. Uh, Resourceful Defense from New Capenna Commander Cards. Uh, In the regular frame, it is available in a promo pack foil. So this is one of those cases where uh, Collector Boosters had uh, extended art versions that were non-foil. But you can get foils of this. Uh, if you were lucky enough to open one from the, um, the four card promo packs. So right now on TCG player, there's only 27 vendors and your price is around 22 bucks. Only one person has over four copies. And so it's not going to take very many people buying on these for the price to climb up. I'm calling it 22 to 40, uh, about, uh, 40 weeks ago, you talked about uh, the original uh, extended arts going from about $10 to $20, and that's that's waiting to uh, get there. But that's the regular E8. That's not a foil, and we're talking about only the foils that were available in the promo packs, that with all the proliferate shenanigans, all of the th- good things about counters, you're going to do some really uh, ridiculous things. The only thing you can't do with resourceful defense is move counters off of yourself. You can only move them from permanent to permanent. Got it. So we're talking about foil promo pack. Correct. Okay. Clarity. Clarity achieved. That's okay. Like like you said, uh, it's all laid out very confusingly because if you put in resourceful defense and you don't specifically put in the parentheses for the extended art, you'll never know. The only concern I have here is this is only selling one to three copies per month. So you're looking at, even at 27 listings with almost nobody having more than, well, there's one vendor with 11 copies, but most have one to three copies. These will eventually disappear off the planet, but I'm not sure that players are prioritizing the Planeswalker symbol. And I'm curious whether anybody is going to go after these instead of going after a non-foil extended art version. There is that, but uh, in the choice between extended art and uh, regular frame but foil uh, we've usually gone for the shiny version of things i do i, I do i do love the te- i do love the text here as an attraxa player whenever a permanent you control leaves the battlefield if it had counters on it put those counters on target permanent you control <laughs> planeswalker dies just that means the other planeswalker you didn't attack is ultimating that's nasty so good and it's only three mana and if you have a doubling season out this should be you should be able to close oh, things no. out just just scoop it up and move on yeah somebody goes resourceful defense something silly and then doubling season just go home just move up to the next game what's the re- the edh rec numbers on this this is in just under ten thousand decks this is in nine three eight three 
and that's since Streets of New Capenna came out a year, less than a year ago. Correct. Solid numbers, solid numbers. I think it's a card to keep your eye on. I, I, I think I would be looking for the EAs to drain out six to twelve months from now. But if if all the Atraxa interest this this winter starts boosting number of copies being sold, that's a different matter entirely. Yeah, the other thing is um, there might be more Streets of New Capenna. You know, it is almost a year later, so we're unlikely to get any huge waves out. But these were the promo packs, and there's unlikely to be just a big stack of these lurking someplace. All right, so we do have a Pro Trader selection of the week we wanted to talk about. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with this one wholeheartedly, at least not on this particular timeline, but I think it's good to talk it through. Uh, we have user Jonath uh, submitting hardened scales, borderless foils from Double Masters 2022, currently available around 4 to 450 on TCG Player. You've got 68 listings. You've got a moderate to heavy amount of overall supply, stretching up to about $10. My concern here is that despite the card seeing fringe play in modern in the hardened scales decks that occasionally top eight uh, and being excellent in whatever attracts a counters decks you're building and and there are a bunch of other commanders that care about it too for EDH purposes. This has had two premium versions in the last six months because it also has a surge foil from the 40k decks which is currently about 750 or so. And that also has another 57 listings and moderate supply. I think if you cut one of these two out of existence, the other one has a much better chance of accelerating quicker. As things stand, I would imagine that both of these are going to need a year or two to start to show significant motion. And for a card, if it gets something like, you know, for the hardened scales borderless, if those foils go 450 to 750, that's just not the kind of thing that's going to make me any money because I'm not going to be able to buy list profitably. I'm not going to be able to sell it profitably. I really want these to drain out completely and go five to 20, and then I'm very happy. Uh, I think the time frame for that could be anywhere from three to four years. And this is also the kind of card that could so easily get triple tapped in a secret layer over the next two years and shut that all down. I think the secret layer in the next 12 to 18 months on this is kind of inevitable. It feels a lot like the, you know, 5 to $10 card that they really like to put in a secret layer, especially because it has both the uh, tournament appeal and the commander appeal. I, I also like getting in at on premium versions of cards at their lowest. Um, I think this is cooler than the surge foil. But uh, you're right that we have uh, two different awesome versions, and that's a recipe for neither one to climb very quickly. I think it's good to get in on hardened scales. I just, uh, I'm not as enthused as I might be, like you said, if there was only one of these special versions around. If the scales deck breaks into tier one modern and starts showing up with persistent four of demand, that would be a different story. But so far that deck has been has just stayed on the sidelines for the most part. Yeah, it's still kind of fringy. Now, in his in Jonathan's defense, 53,000 EDH rec is is not fringe play for EDH. It is very much a staple in the format. So, given enough time and if they leave it alone, then there may well be something here. I agree. I agree completely. All right. Moving right along to our weekly topic there is a new Secret Layer Super Drop, big surprise. It is Winter Super Drop 2023, 
And the consensus in our Discord, at least, is that this looks like Wizards attempting to put out a bunch of very medium cards with very good-looking art and hoping that people will buy it on the basis of art alone. We have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven drops this time, which is actually fairly restrained (laughs) compared to what they were doing. I think we've had eight, nine, and ten at various points in 2022. And the first one here is only has one treatment. It is the Step and Complete uh, Foil uh, Phyrexian Symbol Treatment that is the anchored chase card treatment for Phyrexia All Will Be One, the standard set that's coming out later this month, I guess in two weeks. And the only thing here is they chose Phyrexian-themed cards, most of which are not in super high demand. We have Phyrexian Unlife, Phyrexian Crusader, Plague Engineer, Urtai the Corrupted, and Glissa the Traitor. Plague Engineer is probably the biggest deal here, but I don't know if it's enough to anchor this. I I don't think it is either. I really thought that Phyrexian Crusader had had a different um, special printing, but uh, that's the... I think it's the most expensive card on the on this particular list because the Phyrexian Crusader is, you know, it hasn't been reprinted since um, its original showing in uh, Mirrored and Besieged. Yep, single printing card up until now. Uh, however, does it see very much play? My guess is nope. no. It doesn't even show up in, an, it's like sometimes in the sideboard on an Infect deck. Because this is just, you know, a card that'll, when you hit a burn deck, which is traditionally the most popular deck around, uh, this is just like, can you get there quick enough on the three mana and not be dead before the burn player has burned you out? Yeah, so to my eye, this just looks like Wizards trying to leverage a very, a high-end treatment to sell a bunch of very mediocre cards. Uh, I think I will sidestep this one and wait to see what happens. There is, however, another Phyrexian-themed drop, Phyrexian Faves, and this is a little weird to me. This is a regular uh, frame with Phyrexian text, which has been a popular treatment. A special Phyrexian frame, too. Yeah, she's like a Phyrexianized regular frame, I suppose. But I don't understand why they didn't just swap these. Like, do these five cards in in the step and complete, and it would have been a home run then it would have been the slam dunk, go ahead and get it, because there would have been a solid chance that if a poison deck found fresh ground in modern, then the po- those players might want these versions of the cards. Included is Phyrexian Blighted Agent, Kirik, Son of Yogmoth, which is getting double or triple tapped. I guess triple tapped since the Judge Foil, because we also got this, the Post Malone uh, version of the card not long ago. Right as Oka was complaining a couple weeks back. Phyrexian Glistener Elf, Batterskull, and Ink Moth Nexus. So of the two, it's Gliss- uh, sorry, of the five, Glistener Elf and Ink Moth Nexus are the ones that matter most for potential modern play. Batterskull and Kirik are more of a uh, EDH thing. This one probably does well, I suppose. Um, I think I would probably be going after... And foil or non-foil is probably going to be six of one, half dozen of another, given that two of the cards are strong for EDH and two of them are for modern. Maybe just the non-foils on the basis that the Ink Moth Nexus and Glistener Elf playsets will sell for a premium if the Poison Deck You really don't want those like sticking out if the foils warp real bad. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't like any of these drops all that much, but of them, when I issue my my analysis to the pro traders tomorrow, I suspect this is the one that will will have the most positives associated with it. In terms of the best art, there's no doubt in my mind it's draw your hand. Um, from a magic collector's perspective, this is probably the must-own. It includes Eldrazi Conscription, Deafening Silence, Counterbalance, and Bruna Light of Alabaster with absolutely excellent art. Uh, reminiscent of 90s grunge concert posters and counterbalances big cedh card deafening silence sees a decent amount of play in edh aldrazi conscription in some voltron builds for sure but none of this stuff is seeing modern play and counterbalance and legacy will these foils be the nicest counterbalances ever yeah i suppose they will be is that enough to make me want the foil drop at 40? No, it's probably enough for me to target foil counterbalances on the weekend that everybody gets their supply, right? That sounds about right. Uh, has Conscription had more printings? Uh, it was in alternate uh, Ultimate Masters. Uh, Conscription, surprisingly, is still a $16 card. I did not expect that coming. Yeah, because it's only ever been printed in Rise and UMA. UMA was several years ago now. So this is only the third yeah. printing of the card ever, and obviously the fanciest version because it's never had any other premium at all. Yeah. I I just, I really love when they do frames like this. I I can see, you know, this isn't necessarily got a card or two that I really like, but it's got at least two that uh, haven't gotten a lot of reprints. Uh, Runa got... Uh, tagged in commander 2018 but i don't think there's been any foils of her since avison original yeah this one uh if you were we'll, we'll talk about this at the end but i think this is the one most likely to like have the cards rebound because all of these are low supply but uh so i'm i'm always leery like counterbalance like you said it hasn't had another printing and um given that right now most of these are low supply cards that's scary man that's real scary you'd hate to be caught with these as like you picked up four seven dollar foils two of them are relatively low supply the deafening silence is an uncommon female drain there's 309 listings for the card so this is the fanciest version of and it sees a solid right. amount of edh play but bruna's not in low supply either there's hundreds of listings for those tw commander 2018 copies and they're less than a buck. So it's really about whether the... I think if you get this, you probably get the foil version. You're hoping that the foil Eldrazi conscription and the foil counterbalance will carry the day. Um, but they both have to be, you know, $28 each to make getting involved even worthwhile. And I suspect going after the singles will just work out better. There's a snake yeah. theme dropped here, uh, which has a bunch of cards that have been expensive at various points, but aren't super relevant right this second. You've got Hex Drinker, which people thought was going to be a big, big deal card out of Modern Horizons 1, if I'm not mistaken, but never really got there. You've got Lotus Cobra, which is a true super staple. Uh, now, Lotus Cobra has had a whole bunch of printings, right? but not a ton of premium printings. We have the Showcase from Zendikar Rising, which is quite nice, but they're still very cheap. You have the Grand Prix promos, which are Therese Nielsen art, unfortunately. Damn her, it's very good art, so... And man, it, that hurts, man. That's, that's a gorgeous piece of art. Yeah. 
and that's a $30 price point on those. And has it been in the list? No. Zendikar, Zendikar Rising, Iconic Masters, Zendikar Rising Showcase, Grand Prix Promo, and the Promo Pack for ZNR. So this is definitely the fanciest version of Lotus Cobra that's ever existed. Still a very good card in EDH. Uh, tons of demand there. I'm not sure I love the art. It's cool. It's a little bit... I think I, th- I think oh, I prefer this on the card. nose. <laughs> uh, it's more like it's not um, the presence of the snake is not well defined. The composition of the Grand Prix promo and the showcase version from ZNR, they're just better pieces of art overall. Okay, I see that. And given that you can get the showcase foils for two seventy nine, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much nothing. these can. I don't know how much these can carry. You've got Sashiro the Anointed. Uh, in here which is like the snake lord gives snakes plus two plus two and whenever a snake you control deals combat damage to a player you draw a card so it gives a fidian out that's only ever been in chk and the list and foils of sashiro are 32 dollars, but that's because it's been so long since we've ever had one this this version of the art is also not cooler than the original the original has him like because the snakes from tarkir sorry not tarkir kamagawa have four arms and it has him holding a bow firing up and down at the same time, which is actually pretty sick. You've got Borderless Ice Fang Quaddle here, which looked like it might be a big deal modern card, but it hasn't been for a long time. And then Borderless Stone Coil Serpent, another failed spec that I'm sure people have sitting around. <laughs> I think it was Standard that was driving that at the time. So I think, again, this maybe foil, if at all. I think if you want these cards for decks, this is a great drop. Um, but I'm not excited about it financially. I think the other one that jumps out at me that might be a sneaky one, though, is the 90s Binder Experience. This includes Alms Collector, Alms Collector, Crested Sunmare, Goreclaw Terror of Calcisma, Rin and Siri Inseparable, and Exotic Orchard. Exotic Orchard, of course, is a, is a super staple in EDH. Rin and Siri is a very popular commander. The Gore Claw looks like a ripoff of the Care Bears, which I think is pretty cheeky for Hasbro because I don't think they have that license. I thought that was the uh, the the Charmin Bear more than a Care Bear, but I see where you're coming from. And the whole thing is just super cutesy and rainbow esque, and I think that could be enough to drive it. But it also seems like the kind of drop that vendors might be scared off of. So it could be one of those ones where very few of us go deep on it up front, and that it ends up being worth solid money down the road and these are you know the $30 ones are going for 55 or 60 a year out you know we're we're all thinking about the omg kitties drop where yeah we had a chance to to make a lot of money on it and we we didn't and uh you're right with all these cards um you know crested sunmare i think i did a spec on that you know 10 years ago or wherever it came out because i was like oh horses this is great because look at it it's just, you just had to gain life and you get a giant token? The heck? Well, you just played an Aloro, right? And then you just get five fives uh, at the beginning of each end step. <laughs> yeah, you can get three horses in a, a turn cycle. It's ridiculous. Um, this is going to be a beautiful drop in foil. Like, uh, the Ren and Siri is probably going to carry uh, some heavy weight with uh, people who love their dog and cat cards. Because this is just happy and i want to play with this card i don't have this deck and i want this card like i want to look at that happy dog i want to look at that cozy cat 
here, here's yeah. a lesson learned about buy a box promos both Tezzeret, master of the bridge and ren and siri were very very cheap at at one point and both ended up being twenty dollars plus yeah that's a good point uh, i can't imagine getting the the non-foils of this though like this has to be foils all the way if you're going to get any i think i think maybe both will do fine uh, okay. I will I probably dabble with this one. Uh, we've also dabble. got one called City Styles that has Sakashima the Imposter, Mask Girl, Asuza Lost But Seeking getting triple or quadruple tapped, Taysa Karlov, and Paradise Mantle. The art here is excellent. Anime style art. If you want the cards, cool. I don't see a lot of financial upside here. Azusa really needed some space to let her foil extended arts mature from M21. And that's being pulled, that rug is being yanked. And so wouldn't expect Azusa's to do very well in the near future. So also the final drop, yeah, which is Artist Series Sam Burley. Sorry, did you have commentary on the last one? Well, it's just that um, the cheapest versions of Azusa are just under 10. Uh, Taza is still at 4. Paradise Mantle can't be very much. Oh, it's surprisingly, it's a $6 card. Hasn't been reprinted since Modern Masters 1. It's just that none of these are crazy expensive cards. They're all solid value. They're just gorgeous. Again, like that Massacre Girl, I am into that. Scary looking and a great card. And just, I'm really impressed at this. And and what you said at the beginning is really holding true. That they put fantastic art on a whole bunch of like medium financial interest cards. I mean, fine. I think medium cards in terms of playability, mediocre cards in terms of financial interest. A lot of the cards, if you say like Paradise Mantle is six bucks, it's not going to hold it when no. 40,000 copies drop from a secret layer. <laughs> That's a very good point. Final drop. Artist Series, Sam Burley. They let him go after Jund cards, apparently. And the best they could come up with is Braid of Fire, Koth of the Hammer, Master of the Wild Hunt, and Karthus, Tyrant of Jund. None of this rings my bell. They're all in a regular frame. I think they should just stop doing regular frame secret layers, to be honest. It just makes no sense to me. There's a bunch of other avenues for cards like that. This is where they should just keep going after the borderless stuff because new art on regular frame cards just does not stand out enough to justify making them collectibles. Man, isn't it? And especially this particular drop, this is the only drop that has a regular frame. And and and, and, just... and if you look at the art outtakes on the Secret Layer site, for instance, the Master of the Wild Hunt art is incredible if it wasn't cropped and was, like, full on the card. You know what's something they haven't done yet and I'm stunned by? Doing some magic cards with sideways art. I was going to say some horizontal goodness. Yeah, because that's awkward on table, for sure, obviously, and I can see the argument against it, but... It would have let you do some truly amazing landscape art, which will be very special. And then, and then people, there will be the the collector slash trolls that are <laughs> that are down with putting the card sideways, and their opponents kind of having to twist their head. <laughs> yeah, but you know the the card choice here, you know, braid of fire. Uh, it's got a mystery booster foil edition that uh, hasn't. Had a chance to mature Koth of the Hammer. It's got dual decks, Master of the Wild Hunt, and Lots then of uh, Car- Karthus was in was also a mystery booster foil, and then was in Double Masters. Yeah, nah. So don't like this one. Nope. Staying away. 
Also, I think there's probably a promo. Like, this secret layer drop is open for 55 days, which is twice as long as normal. And I suspect there's a promo drop, like maybe Black History Month or something, in the interim. And some, tradition- like, limited... Yeah. You know, some one weekend drop or one week drop or something. Yeah. 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 So traditionally those have been very good. So I, I see zero reason to commit to purchasing given that they're going to take the money up front for big orders when you can just wait the full two months and pay later if you decide you want them. It's yeah. also worth mentioning there's no uh, Scarab God. There's no like nope. choose your own 20% discount. Nope. Yeah. So all those exper- Yeah. So it's that possible was the that. One that- I really wish they kept was the you get twenty percent off just boom. What oh, if yeah. you're ordering? What was it like two hundred dollars? You got two hundred twenty percent off. All all of us were very into the twenty percent off because <laughs> then it was yeah. just pick all the good ones and go, and it worked out very well for everybody. The it was just a great way to offset the the shipping that just kicks my butt here in California, man. So given that they're going back to volume discounts where you get all the non foils, you get them for. 153 instead of 179.94 so you get a 15% discount. This is back to the original game plan. So they've run some experiments, the experiments weren't better and we are back to full bundles to get discounts. And no thank you. I think you <laughs> you can keep your 15% and I will just go after the singles and a smattering of these drops. Yeah, like at in this drop at least there's not some random ass set of lands. Uh, are they, have they finished the astrology sh- cycle yet? I hope so. Don't know. Don't care. But it's going to be funny <laughs> when some of those make people money because there's it's just crazy. a few of them lying around. Somebody's going to come along and be like, oh, no, I need 40 of each for my cube. And like, okay, well, let's go. Okay. Um, we have not gotten uh, a set of lands with this one. So basically you're looking at the worst drop coming along for close to free. And that's this uh artist series of sam burley who i'm sure is a lovely human being but uh some less than amazing choices coming along for uh their particular secret lair so it's weird uh, i i feel like if you took the step and complete one and swapped in like two cards you could have made that a real chase uh and draw your hand just probably needed bruna swapped out for something else i would be with you on that I'm always curious, like, I'd love to be at Wizards for a while and just, like, listen in on the meetings for, for what it's going to be. Because they set these way ahead of time, right? I don't, I think lead time in, on Secret Layers is art commissions either 6 or 12 months out. My guess would be 6. Yeah. Just. Because by this point, they have their short run printing process mostly dialed. Hmm. And, and by dialed, I don't mean that they're that the quality control is good because in fact <laughs> that's not true what i mean is that they in terms of where whatever press they're using to print it on is ready like ready and waiting to accept the next load of cards which is regularly scheduled yeah all right well that's it where can uh, folks find you online my friend you can find me online at word of commander on twitter or my friday articles on mtgprice.com which includes uh, the math series. We just I just put up the numbers for how rare some of these step-and-complete foils and other foils are. 
Yeah, there's a whole bunch of different chase cards in the uh, product mix associated with Phyrexia All Will Be One. Cliff has done some excellent work uh, summarizing that for all of the membership. And I believe by the time you guys hear this, if you are not members, that article will be free to read already. So check it out on mtgprice.com. You guys can find me on Twitter at mtgcritic, as well as via my occasional articles on mtgprice.com. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mggprice.com Pro Trader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, low-cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Please use the promo code FINANCE5, that's finance with a number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. James, that's two in a row I've been back for. It's been a lot of fun getting back in the groove. Great to have you back, and we will catch you next week along with everybody else for another episode of MTG Fast Finance.